Part One of Alador by Henry Newbolt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapters One to Three. In every land thy feet may tread. Time, like a veil, is round thy head. Only the land thou seekst with me never hath been, nor yet shall be. It is not far, it is not near, name it hath none that earth can hear, but there the soul shall build again memories long destroyed of men, and joy thereby shall, like a river, wander from deep to deep for ever. Dream Market Chapter 1 Of the Hall of Sulney, and how Sir Ewan left it. Sir Ewan sat in the hall of Sulney, and did justice upon wrongdoers, and one man had gathered sticks where he ought not, and this was for the twentieth time, and another had snared a rabbit of his lord's, and this was for the fortieth time, and another had beaten his wife, and she him, and this was for the hundredth time, so that Sir Ewan was weary of the sight of them. Moreover, his steward stood beside him, and put him in remembrance of all the misery that had else been forgotten. And in the midst of his judging, there was brought into the hall a child that had been found in the road, a boy of seven years as it seemed, and he was dressed in fine hunting green, but not after the fashion of that day or country. Also, when they spoke to him, he answered becomingly, but in a speech that no one could understand. So Sir Ewan had him set by the table at his own side, and now and again, as he judged those wrongdoers, he cast a look upon the child, and always the child looked back at him with bright eyes, and even when there was no looking between them, he listened to what was being said, and smiled, as though that which was weariness to others was to him something new and joyful. But as the hour passed, Sir Ewan felt his mind slacken more and more, and whenever he saw the boy smiling, his own heart became heavier and heavier between his shoulders, and his life and the life of his people seemed like a high road, dusty and endless, that might never be left without trespassing. And though he would not break off from his judging, yet he groaned over the offenders instead of rebuking them, and when he should have punished, he dismissed them upon their promise, so that his steward was mortified, and the guilty could not believe their ears. Then, when all was said and done, the hall was cleared, and Sir Ewan was left alone with the boy. But the steward, looking slyly back through the hinges of the door, saw that his lord and the child were speaking together, and he perceived that they understood one another well enough, though how this should have come about he was not able to guess, having himself heard the boy answering to all questions in none but an outlandish tongue. Then he saw Sir Ewan rise up, and suddenly he was aware that his lord was calling for him loudly and with a hearty voice, as he would call for him long since when they were at the wars together. And when he went in, Sir Ewan bade him summon all the household. Now, when the household were come into the hall, they stood at a little distance from the dais, in the order of their service, and Sir Ewan stood above them in front of the high table and beside him was the boy, and before him was his own brother, who was now an esquire grown, with hawk on wrist. 
Then Sir Ewan bade his brother kneel down, and there he made him knight, taking his sword from him, and laying it on his shoulder, and afterwards belting it again round his body. And he took the keys from his own girdle, and the gold spurs from his own feet, and said aloud, I call you all to witness, that as I have done off my knighthood, and the honour of Sulney, and given them to this my brother, Sir Turquin, so also by these tokens do I deliver unto him, the quiet possession of my house and goods, and the ceasing of all my lands, to hold on to him and his heirs for ever, by the service due and accustomed for the same, and henceforth I go free. Then his brother, who was both glad and sorry, and moreover was still in doubt how this might end, stood holding the keys and the spurs, and looking at him without a word. And he looked also at the child, and he saw that for all the difference in their years, the eyes of Sir Ewan had become like the boy's eyes, and as he looked his heart became heavy, and for a moment he envied his brother, and feared for himself. But in his fear he moved his hands, and the keys clanked, and the spurs clinked together, and his heart leapt up again for joy of his possessions. And all this Ewan saw, as it were, a great way off, and he smiled and forgot it again instantly, and the boy took his hand, and they went down the hall together. And when they came to the door to pass out, the steward got before them and bowed as he was used to do, and he spoke very gravely to Sir Ewan, reminding him that this same afternoon had been appointed among the lords, his neighbours, for the witnessing of certain charters. But Ewan and the boy looked at one another and laughed, and the steward saw that they laughed at the lords and at him, and at the very greatness of the business, and he was enraged and turned away, and went to his new master. Then Sir Turquin came hastily after them, and he laid his hand upon his brother's arm, and bent his head a little, and spoke to him, so that none else should hear, and he said, What is this that you are doing? For no man leaves all that he has, and departs suddenly, taking nothing with him. But those two went from him without answering, and they passed, as it seemed, very swiftly along the road under the woodside, and were hidden from him. And again, as he stood still watching, he saw them going swiftly above the wood, where there was no path, but only the bare wold before them. Chapter 2 How Sir Ewan Saw His Own Face for the First Time now the truth is that when Ewan turned his back on his old life, and the snug lordship that was his, he had no thought of what was to be the way of his wandering, nor did he so much as know by which of the world's four roads he would begin his journey. But he climbed upon the open wold, as if all his pleasure was to climb and to strike his feet firmly, and to breathe deep. And the boy went by his side in like manner, and they spoke no word. But when they were come to the height of the slope, Ewan turned and looked down upon the homestead of Sulney, and he saw it small and clear under the midday sun, as like as may be to a toy that a child would play with, and there was no man moving about it, but only the white pigeons, flying this way and that upon the roofs. And it was lovely to him, for he saw it as a time that is past. Then he looked a little farther, and he saw the broad road and dust kindling along it like smoke, 
and in the dust a great company riding and they rode in order by two and by two and their jogging was heavy and ewan remembered that these were the lords who had appointed to do business with him and because of them the place was no longer lovely to him and he turned away and ran quickly over the ridge and when he could see them no more he laughed and the boy also ran and laughed and their laughter was as though they were both truants from school escaping narrowly with fear and joy together and on the other side of the ridge they cast themselves down upon the grass and among the grass were thistles and the thistles pricked them sharply and they rolled and were pricked again and laughed again and yet again then they set their shoulders against a bank and sat still looking to the country that was before them on the one hand lay the sea nearby and upon it white sails of ships that were sailing marvellously for though they were upon the sea yet they sailed as it seemed high above the land and on the other side lay a thick wood that hid all the far country and before the wood was a village and a tower and ewan knew that village well enough cot and lot barn and balk and he thought not at all of the village but only of the wood and the great depth of it and of what might be beyond and so thinking he fell asleep but when he awoke the sun was westering and he looked again upon the village and saw it as though it were strange to him and he could not remember even the name of it then he stood up and turned towards the place beside him where the boy had been and as he looked he was astonished for the boy was there still sleeping as himself had slept but his face was like the face of an old man and the lines upon it were countless like bird marks on the river sand so ewan stood staring for a while and he said to himself now i know by the trouble in my head that either i have lost my wits as a man beat down in battle or else in all this there is a meaning that i have known and forgotten for it seems to be both reasonable and impossible then he touched the boy's hand and awoke him and when he saw his eyes again he asked him who then are you and the boy said answer me first the same question but ewan would not for he said why must i answer first and the boy said let be then for you know already what you would answer and there is but one and the same answer to your question and to mine then ewan looked no more into the boy's eyes but upon the ground and bewilderment came upon him again for he said in his heart this that he says is madness and yet i seem to know that it is true and when he lifted his head again he said to the boy how can a man speak with himself face to face and how can i that am neither be both an old man and a boy but the boy answered him is not every man that which was and that which shall be and in all the days of his life shall he not once or twice see the face of his desire and as he spoke ewan heard him plainly but now he saw him not so plainly though he stood looking down upon him in the same place and he said quickly tell me this then what is my desire and he heard again the answer as one that hears a voice through the mist but the words were in an unknown tongue and he peered down and stooped and where the boy had been there was but the long grass and the thistles and when he rose up again he saw the hillside clear before him and the sun was low 
and the edges of the bents were glistening and nothing moved among them but the wind of sunset chapter three how it fortuned to ywain to find a staff in the place of his sword then ywain turned his face towards the village and went down the hill and he went with a good heart for though the boy had left him yet he hoped not to be long without him and even now when he looked straight forward it seemed that he had the joy of his company and his laughter but when he turned and looked beside him there was but his own shadow black it lay and long and about the edges of it a brightness was shining then he remembered that the sun was low and night rising among the hollows and he bethought him of his supper and sleep so he went quickly to the village and passed through it and came to the farmer's house that lay beside the great wood and the farmwife gave him welcome as one that knew not who he was but could well pitch her guess within a mile or so and she whispered to her husband but he was hard of hearing and full of slumber from the fields so when ywain had supped they showed him where he should lie and when he was come there he laid him down and the day went from him in a moment and he knew no more whether he were alive or dead but very early in the morning he awoke and he saw that over against his face as he lay abed there was a window in the wall and the window was open and there came through it a small sweet noise for it was the time of sparrow chirp which comes just before the rising of the sun so he rose from his bed and went to the window and leaned with his arms upon the sill watching for the day to turn from greyness to light and as he leaned and watched he heard a noise of talking in the house below for the door was right there beneath him and it stood open wide moreover the talking was loud for they that talked were the farmer and his wife and she spoke loud because he was hard of hearing and he spoke yet louder because she was his wife and he wished his saying to prevail over hers so she said in a high voice as surely as an egg is an egg by the same token this is my lord of sulney then he spoke scornfully of her and her eggs and asked her for what reason of all the reasons on earth should such a one as my lord of sulney come to sup in a farmstead that was none of his and sleep in a vile bed when he had better within a bare league and she answered quickly that though a thing were clean past a man's understanding yet it might well happen so for all that and further she would have him to know that in her house were no vile beds but such as were fit for any man to sleep in and she cared not who he might be and at that he growled a little like a dog that is made to cease barking then he spoke to her again in the manner of one who deals with a child making a show of gentleness and mastery together see now he said and i will give you three reasons why you have the wrong and i have the right of it first then this one that has had supper and sleeping-room of us is a young man and quick to rise and sit down but my lord of sulney is past his youth and waxing heavy secondly this one came to us walking upon his own shanks and that no lord would do that had the horses of sulney for i have seen them time and again and in these parts there are none better and beside these two reasons there is a third that you might well have seen with your own eyes for this man's cloak is the cloak of a pilgrim and not of a lord 
and his hat and staff are such as none use but wayfarers and if you will not believe me now you may ask him for the truth of it yourself that i will do said the woman then ewan fell into a study for he saw that in despite of all those reasons her mind was not changed but that she would certainly ask the truth of him and it seemed hard to him to know what the truth might be for he remembered how he had put off the lordship that was his but he could not tell how he had become young nor how he had lost his sword and come by the hat and staff of his pilgrimage so that he thought at one moment i am that lord and at another i am not and his life past seemed like a dream of the night and while he was still wondering he went down the steps and in the room that was below he saw the farm-wife with bread for him to break his fast and the man by the door and against the wall he saw his hat and staff and as he ate the woman said to him look you sir we are not used to keep guests that are unknown to us but we knew you that you were my lord of solney then ewan said i am not and immediately the farmer slapped his hand upon his thigh and shouted at his wife but ewan saw the woman look at him and he looked at her and she smiled to him as to one that was bidding her keep a thing secret and she said to her husband there's no need for you to shout for an apple may have a red side and a green and yet it is an apple to him that hath understanding then ewan gave her thanks and took his leave of them both and he went out into the sunlight and followed the path into the high wood but he saw nothing of his way as he went for all his thought was upon that answer which he had given whereby he had answered others but in no wise answered himself end of part one